On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we talk with four, count them four, comic book pros who brought us the series Black. Kwanzaa Osagiefo, Tim Smith 3, Jamal Eigel, and Sarah Litt talk about the comics industry and the path to bringing this provocative series to life. And we break down three, count them three, movie trailers that have lit up the internet. Now, straight from the Hexaquark Superpowers Explanation Department at The Project, this is 1.21 Gigawatts. Hey there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 21 for October 2017. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that I think are cool and noteworthy and should be celebrated. And I intend to do that not only by bringing you interviews with the creators of said nerdly awesomeness, but also with a series of rotating segments and features that take a deep dive into a specific geeky topic. Over the last few weeks, a trio of trailers have had the internet and in one case, Monday Night Football fans, all a buzz. Everyone's got their opinions about these sneak peeks at some highly anticipated upcoming films, and I am among those opinion holders. So let's talk about the new trailers for Star Wars The Last Jedi, The New Mutants, and Black Panther. If you're a geek of a certain age, you'll remember the concept of appointment viewing. Before DVRing and binge watching became the new normal, you had to be in front of your TV at a certain time each week to catch your favorite show. You wanted to watch X-Files? You'd better tune in Sundays at 9 on Fox or you're going to miss it. That model is, of course, all but demolished now, but incredibly, a certain movie trailer still has the power to put butts on the couch when you know it's going to debut at a certain time. And that's just what happened when the much-anticipated trailer for The Last Jedi was announced to debut during halftime on Monday Night Football. Did the game's overall viewership peak when the trailer debuted? You bet your Astromech droid it did! Sorry, Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears. You start playing the whole game with lightsabers and I'll start tuning in before halftime. Anywho, The Last Jedi trailer happened and it was... cool! It was good! Look, I don't know if it's possible for it to hit the same level of nerd bliss and obsessive fascination as trailers for The Force Awakens did, because we now know who these characters are and what the general roadmap of the Star Wars galaxy is in the sequel trilogy. So there's no, who's that rolling ball droid? Or I guess that new girl in the desert is the hero? Or the new bad guy's lightsaber has a cross guard? We know who these characters are and why they do what they do, so maybe it's not as exciting as the movie you go into with little to no knowledge about, like The Force Awakens or Rogue One, but it's still pretty darn cool. Now, I know you've seen the trailer, so let's just do a little lightning round here. One, the trailer looks gorgeous, and it is also filled with misdirection. Is Kylo Ren going to destroy Leia's flagship during the battle? No, no, he's not, and we know this because Everyone at Lucasfilm has already talked about the fact of how what are we going to do for episode 9 with Carrie Fisher, etc. So, no, it's not going to happen, but it's exciting in the trailer. Does Kylo Ren really offer to take Rey under his wing? Maybe, but not the way we see it go down in the trailer, I'll betcha. And when Snoke is talking to someone about, When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. Is he talking to Kylo Ren or Rey? Bum, bum, bum. 
Number two, if the acting is this stirring in the trailer, Mark Hamill and Adam Driver, I'm looking at you two, I think we're in pretty good shape for the performances. Number three, I like that I still don't have a great idea of what this movie is about, even though the visuals are so memorable. Number four, I love that Phasma and Finn throw down in a big way. Worst exit interview ever. And finally, as for the biggest question posed by the trailer, I have no reason to not like the Porgs yet, so count me in the positive column. Bring on the Porgs. Love them. Meanwhile, at 20th Century Fox, they're doing everything they can to expand the X-Men franchise and are feeling newly empowered by the success of Deadpool and Logan. So if the takeaway of Deadpool is you can use characters other than Wolverine to great success, and the takeaway from Logan is that you can take superhero characters and mash them into unexpected genres also to great success, why not apply both of these lessons at once? That appears to be the math behind the New Mutants, which in the comics featured Professor X's JV squad as they learned to use their powers and navigate the waters of being teenagers. Full disclosure, I loved that comic and have been looking forward to seeing what they do with the characters on the big screen. Apparently, what they're doing with them is plopping them into a fairly cliche-looking horror movie. We see a group of kids, clearly the New Mutants, though we never see any of their powers being used, exploring and or being held captive in a dank, abandoned hospital, complete with a slightly diabolical doctor calmly administering treatments and talking about the venom of baby rattlesnakes in voiceover. I don't know about you, but I usually have to go out of network for a specialist who can drop some snake venom knowledge on me. Anyways, there are gurneys and jump scares and creepy people in masks and closed circuit cameras everywhere and faces pushing out of the walls. The director has talked about how the movie is inspired by the demon bear storyline from New Mutants number 18 through 20, which is creepy, but mainly because of the artist Bill Sienkiewicz, whose art is amazing and off-putting and occasionally abstract and incorporates collage and oil painting and any number of techniques that readers accustomed to standard comic book line art just had not seen before. So, yes, much of Demon Bear takes place in a hospital, but like a normal one. And would it kill the filmmakers to reference a bear or show one in the shadows or even give us a growl? That'd go a long way to making me excited and convincing me that this is, in fact, a New Mutants movie. The horror genre would fit with the New Mutants. For crying out loud on the team, they've got a werewolf, a witch, and someone who can manifest your greatest fears. May I see some of that, please? So, as psyched as I am to see Maisie Williams as Wolvesbane, Anya Taylor-Joy as Magic, and Charlie Heaton as Cannonball, so far, this looks like the type of teen horror movie I would skip. Turn that around, X-Men franchise. Make me believe in these characters. Finally, a few days after the new Mutants trailer dropped, we got a trailer for the upcoming Marvel Studios venture Black Panther. This was the one that, no lie, I started misting up during due to its sheer gorgeousness. Let's break down said gorgeousness. The set and the costume design? Gorgeous. This movie could be a slideshow for a timeshare and I'd still be glued to the screen. My son asked me if it was going to be nominated for costume design. Um, it better. The cast, gorgeous. If you're going to put Lupita Nyong'o, Chadwick Boseman, Angela Bassett, Michael B. Jordan, and the rest of this cast in one movie, prepare for some audience members who will not be able to focus on the plot. The action, gorgeous. When the least interesting action move in the trailer is this slow motion jump over a car flipping through the air, it's a good sign. 
The accents, gorgeous. I know this one's for me, but I'm a sucker for African and South African accents, and this movie has them from wall to wall. Hey, we even have Martin Freeman doing his adorable American accent throughout. Everybody gets a fake accent in this movie. Hooray! The inclusiveness, gorgeous. Just as women celebrated the existence and quality of Wonder Woman, you didn't have to dig too hard to see black internet commentators rightfully feeling a sense of pride and ownership about an awesome-looking superhero movie that does not focus on another white hero. Director Ryan Coogler and his production team clearly took the opportunity to forge a fresh path with Black Panther and inject it with African culture, African-American culture, Afrofuturism, hip-hop, and a big stack of comic books. Different is good. Representation is good. And when representation occurs using sci-fi aircraft that fly via gesture recognition, that's pretty cool. Observers are always waiting for the Marvel Studios movie that doesn't work, the one that fails commercially and critically. I'm no fortune teller, but Black Panther is not going to be that movie. It's going to make a lot of money, and I'll bet it's going to deserve it. In fact, as far as I can tell at this point, the only thing that could possibly make it better... Porgs? Let the hate mail begin. In the days leading up to New York Comic Con 2017, I had the opportunity to sit down with the creative team behind the exciting, provocative, and just plain fun comic book, Black. Black is a series that gets you thinking about race, in society, in the workplace, and in the comics industry. And all of these topics are touched on in a conversation that is just as stimulating, intelligent, and funny as the comic book series created by this episode's guests, Kwanzaa Osagiofo, Tim Smith III, Jamal Igel, and Sarah Litt. The concept of the comic book series Black is geniusly simple. What if only black people had the potential to gain superpowers? That was the question that launched a massively successful Kickstarter campaign, an absurdly satisfying six-issue series from Black Mask, attention from the New York Times, and an option for a feature film. I am honored to have the majority of the creative team behind Black here in the studio. Welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts. And we're like knee to knee in the studio. Yes. <laughs> Everyone out there it's should know. We're yeah. all very friendly. Exactly. <laughs> right. If you guys weren't close yet, uh, this, this is going to be the one. This is how we it's work, like actually. <laughs> It's like San Diego all over. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this was fun. That was fun. This that is, was yeah, right, fun. I was going to say, this is your New York Comic Con preview right here. Oh, like, my God. oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I'm going to hyperventilate. No, no, I get to go home. At- <laughs> yes. yeah, right. I get to go Sleep home and sit in my, my own bed. For sure. For sure. Take a piss, <laughs> <laughs> So I want to I wanna go around the circle here and quickly introduce everyone just so they can hear your voice. So we have, they've got a fighting chance of, of knowing who's speaking out loud. We've got co-creator and author Kwanzaa Osagiofo. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, fellow co-creator and designer Tim Smith Three. Yes, that is me. That's my favorite part is that there's a number. <laughs> part of a machine. Uh, interior illustrator Jamal Igel. Ahoy, ahoy. And editor Sarah Litt. Hi. Hi. Um, was San Diego Comic-Con total mayhem? Was it awesome? Yeah, it always is. Yeah, but here's the thing: we we rented a house, we spent a week together. I mean, yeah, you know, we've been friends. We've all been friends for years, but I think this is like the first time that we were like in that close approximate, except for Quasi Sarah, who we used to work together at DC. But like all of us, including Kari Randolph, 
you know, we're in proximity. Tim and I shared a bed. It was lovely. It was pretty much like the real world meets San Diego. But much more polite. Much more polite. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, nobody was puck, so that yeah. was good. Uh, right, yeah. right, right, right. Well, until I threw out Jamal's sandwich. Or whose sandwich did I throw out? No, it wasn't. Was it, it was, oh, it was yours. Yeah, that's, that's okay. How many days were you there? You're going through the fridge, and it's like, whose is this? Forget it. Well, no, we, we, you know, you know, we bought groceries. I was being cheap and making my food before I went to the convention center, which is the smartest thing that, that you can do. <laughs> it's not just because of frugality, though. It's like, why would you want to eat con food? Oh, no, like, but it's it, gross. Yeah, right, well, right. It, it, it wasn't frugality because I'm not that cheap. But I'm, you know, I'm a foodie anyway, so that doesn't really matter. But it was more the combination of why would you want to eat con food? B, I had an artist alley table. It's really hard to get away from artist alley for any length of time in general and even when you do get away like for me it wasn't really so much about making money at artist alley because you can't really make money in san diego that's just you know you're always that's a zero-sum game but i was using it more as sort of like my central location like everybody knew where i was so if they wanted to see me they right. had to come and find me and people came looking for me when I wasn't there. And it's like, oh, I, I came by your table, or I came by your table, you were surrounded by people, so I didn't you know, come and bother you, but you know, hi. You, know. you kept 20 sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good avocado toast. You just made me think of a business scheme, though. It would be like seamless for cons. Oh, absolutely. Oh, surely you can we, You we can just so basically hit a little button on your phone, and you can either get a sandwich or somebody to watch your booth. They, they that, have that already. Like, they, they do? Do they? Yeah. A sandwich uh, slash booth watcher? Well, well they, they have, have people, people that you can, you so. app, you, they come over, they have food, or you tell them what food you want, they'll sit. And I should have known. But well, that's only for the, the guests, like, that's the, the, the GRT team. That's no, really no, it's people that, that do it. Oh, it's, really? Anime, I've seen it in anime cons. I haven't really I haven't seen, seen it in a comic book convention. Anime cons are a little more crazy sophisticated. Yeah. Crazy comics. Crazy. Get a little crazy in there. They're fanatics like everybody else. That's excellent. There's. Uh, I already feel like I should just rip up these questions. And then just, <laughs> I just, I just talk about no, no, go. We'll shut up. No, I love this. I love this all, and and almost feel like a jerk uh, veering it back to like. So tell me about. <laughs> uh, but uh, but for the sake of everyone out there who who isn't familiar with with the comic yet, uh, I want to indoctrinate them because um, I just binged the whole series and I can't stop thinking about it. I I love it. Um, and there's so much to talk about, I barely know where to start, like I said. So so if we start at the beginning, Kwanzaa and Tim, you guys are the co-creators of the series. Um, how how did you shape this concept into something that you thought, oh, I think I think we've got something here. Uh, I think we've got to run with this. Uh, that's weird, because I feel like it kind of happened twice. It did. Yeah, because we came up with the concept like, like yeah. 10 years ago. And you know, I had approached Tim, I think it was at MoCA, or something like that mm -hmm. about working on it and we were like oh yeah this is a good idea it had a completely different name then but it was still pretty much the same concept and you know I think we were both still pretty early in our careers in the comic book industry and stuff and just like work kind of overtook any sort of like creative endeavors mm -hmm. but you know as time sort of changed and like you know technology changed and the industry changed it became clear that there was like a platform like Kickstarter to be able to like mm. actually put an idea like this forth, even though what hadn't changed in the industry necessarily was, you know, some publisher really wanting to get behind this. Yeah, and so I I just hit him up one day and was like, I think we should do this now. 
10 years later. <laughs> like, now's the time. But that's, what ha- that's how it happens. So. Yeah. yeah, that is I how it happens. It like, kept resurfacing, though. It would, it would, it would kind of, it would start it somewhere, and then it would fade a little bit, then it would come back. And we've never seen or noticed anyone uh, doing anything like this, even in those years, um, as we kind of progress with our own careers. Yeah. And, and would put it on the back burner, come forward, back burner again. And that definitely um, was a motivator of like, wow, nobody still hasn't done this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be a thing, right? If you've got like, we've got this sweet nugget that we've just been sitting on and every year you don't do it, like, oh God, someone's going to do it. Oh, right. God, someone's going to mm-hmm. do right. it. I think that was, the, that was probably like one of the biggest fires. It's like, let's just do this. And if it, we'll find out if it's dumb in about three, two, press the button. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So then uh, as you guys got involved, then... Um, I'm quickly getting the sense that you've all worked together and you know already know all each other from before this. But how did when did you two get brought in, um, and uh, and what was that process? I'm referring now to Jamal and Sarah as I gesticulate her across the room. Sarah should go first. Um, well, Kwanzaa and I worked together at DC, and after we both uh, subsequently left DC, um, he. You know, we kept in touch. He moved back to the East Coast. I moved back a short time later and worked for a different comic book company. Um, and he, we kept in touch. And he one day was like, so I have this comic book idea. Do you want to read it? And I was like, yeah, okay, of course. Like, you know. What That's exactly how I said it. Yeah. <laughs> it really was, I Would think. you want to read Like, this? do you want to read this? Can you read it? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I read it. I was like. Yeah, this is great. When you decide to do it, I'm I'm in. Like I'm all in, and uh, I've been all in pretty much ever since. And I think that was, oh, 2013, 2012 or 2013, I think. Okay. And then, uh, did you call me first or did you email me first? I'm trying to remember. Could have been either or, but I think like when we really like hooked you in is like Tim and I actually came to your house. Yes. <laughs> no, because Tim, so Tim and I actually live very close to each other. Like, through the door. And <laughs> we're Quasi- not leaving. Open the door. We know you're Quasi- the Kwanzaa came over first, and Tim was running behind, and Kwanzaa came over before. And Kwanzaa and I worked together on the Ray miniseries, mm-hmm. and then we were going to work together on Smallville, and then Kwanzaa left DC. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we'd known each other for a while, and Kwanzaa, I'd already had met Kwanzaa previously to that, but then I had heard good things about him from Steve Ellis and Dave Gallagher and guys working at Zuda, you know, like Matt, Matt Petz, and, you know. So when Kwanzaa came over, he basically pulled out his phone and said, I've got this thing that I want to do, and I want to show you. And he shows me this pitch, and it's a red screensaver that just says, what if only black people had superpowers? And I was like, done. (laughs) (laughs) There was no way I could have said no to that. I was just like, okay, I'm in. I'd be crazy to turn this down. So I have to say like, that was probably, because Kari had the same reaction. (laughs) And that was was like the surprising (laughs) thing because throughout this entire process, I expected everyone to like say no. Like, or I expected. <laughs> well, and also because, I mean, we had worked on it for like 10 years yeah. and hadn't yeah. really moved forward. So I had, this was literally a zero expectation project where yeah. it's just kind of like, I haven't, nothing's happened so far. So I mean, like, I'm just, I'm going to try and make it happen. So like your reaction to it was just like, oh, all right. I guess it would be kind of okay. And then Kari had the same reaction. I'm like, all right. 
And then I made you go back and ask Kari again because we you asked I didn't him at a party. Well, no, because you also asked him at a party. It was like, he may have yeah. been drunk. You never know. Just make sure. Did he see it? Get it in, get it in right. Like, get it in right. <laughs> That is awesome, and and I, I like that that is one of the big hooks of the Kickstarter video in a way, which I've watched a ton of times. <laughs> oh god, um, I really like it. <laughs> it's a really sort of well produced little thing, um, but it it sort of cracks me up. It's it's you and Kari yes. actually when it cuts over because like first of all, like you guys are just sitting reading your Cinefax. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, oh hey, we're shooting the video today. That's cool, I guess. You know, whatever. Yeah, oh. I wish I could rewind and I do. Uh, yeah. I, I look so. Dead in the eyes and <laughs> well, lifeless do, compared to how everyone do you think else. I feel. I'm like in mid transformation at that point. Like <laughs> I had lost, a, I had lost a bunch of weight, and this was before I really started like working out on a regular basis. So I had just been so I kind of look all like baggy and crap. <laughs> yeah, I'll look like, like a million bucks oh, every one. Yeah, <laughs> That's the tough thing about Kickstarter is like shooting those videos because like yeah. that was probably I think the most uncomfortable all of us were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Well, like, not nobody, me. I right. wasn't in the video. Nobody uh, wants to hear. From the editor. Well, we knew we had to do it, but I don't think anybody <laughs> looks like we have to do it. Considering the first Kickstarter video I ever did was for Molly Danger, I was 323 pounds at the time. You know, there's a there's a clear like linear <laughs> stuff of progress on this yeah, guy, exactly. right? I know with that face. Yes, yeah. exactly. There's a lot of that going. On. That's that's awesome. And a big, 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 real big, quick shout out to Thor. Yes, yeah, so yeah, a good friend of mine, Thor New Writer. Like he shot that entire video for us. Spent time with us all day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Amazing, like guy, and does uh, documentary films mm. as well. Um, he's good. Yeah, he's really good. Well, to his credit, and to the concepts credit, and to you guys uh, on on camera. I don't care what you say. I like the video a lot. <laughs> um, what what just because we want to blow people's minds? What was your Kickstarter goal? Our original Kickstarter goal, I think, was thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. Yeah. Thirty thousand. And what did you end up making? Ninety-one thousand. You hear that? That's how it's done. Ninety-two. 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 Two hundred eight. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's like you're hosting a telephone. <laughs> Well, that's what Let's look at the top Wait, I, thought, oh, I thought you were preparing to be on a... Well, that is what it felt like at one point. Like, so I had the app on my phone, and when we hit that, when we hit our goal on, the, on day three, I was just like, whoa! Yeah. But also just like, okay, what now? Because, like, really didn't have <laughs> a plan. Three? Yeah. Day three? Yeah. Really yeah. didn't have a plan after oh that. Oh, my God. Well, so, we, had, we had this whole uh, marketing scheme worked out that we were going to for do 30 days, for like, 30, 30 days. days and suddenly three days in we're having this think of stretch goals and yeah, yeah. just like all this other stuff is like oh god oh god oh god what can we do what can we do <laughs> so and you've got like 27 2800 backers is that something around that something yeah like that? yeah yeah so so does that mean especially speaking of stretch goals yeah. does that mean now that that the the hidden pain behind this huge success is that looking stamps like, <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say, is that you each have like a stack of crap somewhere like, oh my god, we've got to ship all these things, I've got oh, to that, finish that, No, but like I mean, this. since, since I you're bringing it up, we do have, there, there's a set of them that uh, require some personalization, so there is going to be like a house yeah. party yeah. at my place, right. I'm like, alright guys, mm. I'm going to supply food, a lot right. of markers, maybe a little alcohol, <laughs> and we're all just going to, a lot of alcohol. Yeah, they're all just going to be passing books down the table, saying, like, yeah. sign it, sign but it, sign it. The fun part, it sounds like it could be like, this really daunting well it, it can obviously be a, a, a task that just feels like it's over the hill but at the same time it's just relief it's it's every book that's going to go out 
is like a child finally meeting a Oh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is, this is, this is absolutely tied to the historic. Yes, yeah. Yeah. The, the end of the process. I mean, we've been working on this for over a year. Oh, we've yeah. been working yeah. on this oh, for two look, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. we just wrapped up the collected edition, which oh, yeah. you were. Yeah. I, I wasn't. Um, yeah, I wasn't directly. We're involved. still. Uh, we're just about done with that. So this has been going on since. <laughs> thank you. Um, this has been going on mm-hmm. since. Two thousand sixteen. Well, no, 15. I mean because we were working on it the I mean the year before because we had to get everything ready yeah. and together. So the ten, so the decade that you two had been working on, right. it, plus the like the decade that you guys feel like <laughs> plus the, like two two or two and a half yeah. years that we've been working yeah. on it. Yeah. So you know you're, it's older than your child. This is true. It's older than your child. <laughs> this baby is a lot of babies yeah. put together in one giant baby. Oh what, I, what I'm hearing it is that older than your dog. For, for the collected edition, you absolutely have the right to slap like 12th anniversary edition. That's true. Oh my 12 gosh. years into making. Yeah, right. 12 years. Soon to be a feature film. EST. <laughs> so. So uh, tell me about why Kickstarter, and I think I think that Kwanzi, you alluded to this in a second. That maybe like you did you shop this around? And people are like, eh, no, no. It's just after working in the industry for you know about a decade, like I, I knew from being working around editorial because I mostly worked uh, in online that this was not a concept that they were going to be able to like have a perspective on. Mm. Like there are definite blinders mm-hmm. within like the duopoly to this sort of content. Yeah. Um, and that's probably a little bit why I like sat on it because I'm like, where, where is this going to live? Mm-hmm. You know? And at the time, you know, that was the only option. It's like you had to go and pitch to a publisher. You had to get past some sort of gatekeeper in order to like put something like this out. And then platforms like Kickstarter emerged, and what was really great about it, and what I thought was gonna be the litmus test for it, is just like, all right, if it doesn't make it golden, I know this idea sucks. Right. <laughs> and, and I could be done with it and like sleep at night. Yeah. And I'm just like, sure. all right, I thought that was a good Society idea. And it has wasn't. spoken. Oh, no, now this is not meant to be. Yeah. It, and it's perfect market <laughs> testing. But the funny thing about it is, as soon as I think the campaign reached the 50% goal in a day and a half, everybody came out of the woodwork. That's true. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. 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 That's true. Um, and that was that was daunting, too. I mean, just, like, the, the immediate attention that came from it was just, like, the best word I can think of it was distracting. <laughs> because it's like, it's, like, not only it's, like, all right, living the dream, also got to make, make this happen. <laughs> like, this is great. Talk to a good game. Yeah. 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 Time yeah. to show and prove. Yeah. yeah, that is true. There, there's nothing like when you get the gig at first, like, you know what I'm going to do in a few months is going to go off and do this thing or I'm going to make this book. I'm right, going to host right, this right. event or right. whatever. And like, oh, now I need to start planning <laughs> for it or writing. Yeah. Yeah. But then just like all the things you didn't expect. That's really what like mm-hmm. was coming left and right. It's just kind of like, I don't know how to negotiate a movie deal. I don't know how to talk about like publishing because like that wasn't the intent. The intent was just like, oh, I'm going to do this, like, you know, Kickstarter-backed small thing. How right, I have we'll to get it out there. Yeah, that'll be Like, 2,000 people. Well, yeah. I didn't even think 2,000 people. Yeah. was like, because with our goal, I was like, yeah, 500 people will get a book. And like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. Right. <laughs> Comic book industry. I made my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, mean, like, I totally went to Kinko's and made my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like, that was, that was. Stickers, glue, and tape. <laughs> you get a book. <laughs> yeah. So so then, what what do you do if if the plan is like we're just gonna make a, a small thing? It's it's for us, but hey, we proved it. Enough people are interested, and then suddenly the phone rings. Uh, are any of those people publishers? And how do you then say, 
you know what? We're we're good. We're gonna go our own way. I think that's kind of what I ended up thinking about it because as it progressed, you know, I, I really saw something where it's like, look, I'm just gonna have to like take a step back, like because I wasn't ready for any of this mm-hmm. on one end, and it's just like I would achieved what we set out to do. So, like, let me just think about that part. And then I'll come back <laughs> to whatever else. Like, if you want to make, like, you know, like, toys and, like, you know, tchotchkes, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that, like, way later. Right. This book's got to come out first. <laughs> you know, there's, like, so many other steps. I got steps a script issue, gotta... too. Yeah. <laughs> like, there, there was definitely yeah. that. Because yeah. characters that had to be developed and fleshed out. It was just a whole back-end publishing plan. As yeah. many, We're not even publishers, quote-unquote, but... We had to think kind of like that without someone actually coming in there and printing it for us. We had and to especially like when you start talking about like the ancillary stuff. There's like I've been in situations where people have just wanted to buy the option of something just based on a cover and a mm-hmm. pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I walked into a meeting with Nickelodeon once, gave them like you know, an entire log line. It's like, whoa, whoa, this is way too much. You know? <laughs> right. This is more than we were counting on. So, you know, you you have to really be mindful of who's approaching you, why they're approaching you, what their their end mm-hmm. ends up being, basically. What do they want out of this? Are they trying to screw you? Yeah. Do they really, mm-hmm. are they... It's, you know, the entertainment business, they're not really looking out for your best interest. They're just trying to make money. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that has nothing to do with what, you know, these guys have been trying to accomplish for the past 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was, that was definitely something that we considered with like, you know, movie studios and stuff because, you know, it's always great. And I'm telling anyone right now, like, yeah, it's always great when a movie studio comes in. (laughs) (laughs) That just feels good. Like, you're just like, what? But... That happened so fast that it actually was able to make us take a step back and pause and go like, whoa, that was really fast. Yeah. Like, what are you, you, what are you actually trying to get here? Mm-hmm. And thinking about like what could happen to it. So, you know, one new movie studio in particular, like I'm not going to name any particular one because you know, I have other ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, the thought that entered my mind was just like, well, are you just going to option this and it sits on a shelf? Right. You know, are you going to option this to get it out of the way of something else that you're trying to yeah. put out there because you would want another, yeah. movie, another movie or studio to get it and then have a competitive product. Yeah. So that was something we all, we learned really quick. <laughs> we were just kind of like, wait, 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 what? What's in this golden ticket, Willy Wonka? I don't know <laughs> about that. Are you I mean, not preparing I, the standard rich and famous contract? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think that ultimately, I mean, because we all collectively know different people who work in different facets of entertainment, yeah. like we could go to them and, and we went to a friend of mine and said like, how does this sound to you? Does this sound legit? And we're getting these offers. And he was like, maybe it's not the best option for you. Here's somebody else you should talk to, and yeah. you know, and then there was a lawyer and a bunch of other people involved. But it was, but it was really, it just basically came down to like, we we were lucky because we knew people who were going to make sure that we don't get screwed over. Yeah. So I think I think that also, I mean, it isn't. It's never just us alone. It's us and like a million other people. Sort of like we like you. How about you not? Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's, it's good to have that counsel for, for sure. So. 
Uh, and this question is maybe just born out of my own ignorance then of, of the industry and how it gets to this point. But so you go from Kickstarter, you decide, no, we're going to do this on our own. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that at the end of the day, like I'm staring on the floor right here are, are a handful of issues of the series. And it says Black Mask right on there. So how yeah. do you end up at Black Mask? Um, so that came through a lot of this, like, you know, talking to other friends and, you know, suddenly needing to have like a lawyer like <laughs> immediately and an agent all of a sudden. Like right. these are things that were like happening within the days of the Kickstarter. I'm like we need a what and a how and a who? <laughs> what? I don't, I don't get this. Um, but also just like the response to it and realizing that like people really wanted to read this immediately. You know, they, they wanted it now and that there was, you know, interest from a public from publishers to like, you know, put this out as a periodical because, you know, I mean, I, I just didn't think of it in that way. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't really want to play against like, I'm going to put out a book and if I'm, and if I'm lucky enough, I can put out two more like in the yeah, future. The whole, like, that's the that's whole what format ended up changing. Yeah, yeah pretty much. We sure going, did. We were originally going to do it as a uh, manga style. Yeah. Uh, Single like, issue. Yeah. A uh, small, oh, cool. uh, smaller volume. And then when, you know, when we went with black mask, it ended up being a yeah. more traditional yeah. comic book. You know, the, the further I got into the series, my perception of it as I was reading it shifted from, yeah, it's a cool story, it's got a nice narrative hook, I love the art, and it's slowly, you know, realizing that that it obviously has an importance beyond the immediate gratification of reading a mm. good comic book. You know, it, it begins dawning on me that uh, as as a comic book reader uh, for my whole life, these are these are the faces I don't normally see in comics. These are character motivations and dialogue I don't see in comics. Um, these are flavors of characters I don't see in comics, and I didn't realize that I was missing those flavors mm -hmm. until I'm holding those flavors and I'm reading those flavors, and then was was fully invested. So, uh, as a as a terminally white guy, um, <laughs> I was really <laughs> excited about this discovery, and and if I am excited about it, then I'm guessing that there are a lot more non-white readers who'd be even more excited about this. Oh my God! Yeah. Look, look what's here! Look, look what just dropped into my hands. Um, which I guess is it isn't a question. So I'll segue into um, Kwan's. I read an article about the series in which you said diversity is on trend, but inclusion <laughs> is not. That's uh, the second time I've I've heard that. Really? It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Which which I feel like probably sums up everything that is not everything, but a lot of what is largely appealing about the book. Yeah, I mean what. It actually made me feel really good to hear you describe your experience reading the book that way because what inspired it as well was, you know, my experience in the industry and meeting Dwayne McDuffie and, you know, the the rise of Milestone because that was the same experience I had as a kid. Mm -hmm. Realizing with, with no, like, previous, like, sort of, like, intention, it's just like, oh, this was missing before. And I didn't realize it was until yeah. I was reading it. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's just sort of like, oh, oh, here, here's all these different characters. Here's all, here's all these different voices. So, if it had that effect, then I'm, I'm, I'm extra proud in this moment <laughs> of that of the book because that was the spirit yeah. that was driving it. Yeah. You know, that was that was sort of the baton that I was trying to like hopefully take from what I felt was passed to me, and hopefully it will pass on to someone else because. You know that inclusion is what drives the content, yeah, and I kind of riffed off of that and stole that from like my spirit animal Abba Duvernay. Um, 
when she had said that, like, you know, it's not about diversity, it's about inclusion, because diversity is just essentially a new term right. of tokenism, you know, in mm-hmm. some respect. But inclusion, actually being a part of the process, actually having your voice and some agency in creating a product is a lot more important than just, you know, you know, having a character be the black person on a team. Yeah. Right. You know, which is even more important nowadays because there seems to be such a backlash against mm-hmm. against it in all aspects, not just in comics, because yeah. we're dealing with, you know, the you know, diversity in comics crowd. You know. But uh, <laughs> Whoa. yeah. An angry cat walking yeah. in. <laughs> but I mean it's it's you know, uh, you hear the same things in gaming and film and television. There seems to be this rabid white male yeah. white male right wing conservative uber conservative pushback against inclusion. I had a thought about that recently, and it was particular to comics, but then I realized it probably represented a larger part of society. And the thing about comics, you know, and what we know about them, because when we think about comics, we're often thinking about Marvel and DC, the duopoly, you know, is that these characters up until very recently just did not change. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're like, they're like almost like the Simpsons. Right. You know, where it's just like (laughs) Spider-Man up until like a few years ago was still a schlub. Mm-hmm. And he had been for 70 years. Right. So you're kind of perpetuating in the reader's mind that things are never changing. Like, yeah, maybe there'll be like a new situation, but ultimately he's fighting the Green Goblin again. Right. Ultimately, Gwen Stacy's dying again because whatever we got to do to, like, you know. Well, they're built to serve a yeah. different, but they're built to serve a different purpose. Characters like that are, they're brands. They're but, not characters. But think about that in, in context of like, you know how it affects a person's mentality. Oh no, I absolutely. It makes agree them with not. No, I, right. I absolutely accepting agree of I change. Have, you know, but you know, and that's part of a, a larger part, a larger problem that I think the industry has in general is that we have trained almost three generations of readers who expect to go into a comic book shop on Wednesday and to read get, the Phoenix Rebirth. Yes, yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> again. The, again, again, yeah. Yeah, but think about that in a lo- as an almost as an allegory for society, where it's like you know we are still coming out of a generation that was really spoon fed for even longer than that the idea of you know Warden June Cleaver, right? Like, mm-hmm. That was what life is supposed to be. So I think a lot of the backlash right now is because of change. Mm-hmm. It's because mm-hmm. it's it's yes, there's definitely some inherent like hate, but it's also because like. I don't know how to deal with all of a sudden right. being well, a woman I mean, in front of me. I don't know how to like, deal with a brown person know, in front of me. Because that, that's not been say, the norm. You can just say that about the whole world in general. Where right. It's yeah. just like, oh, there are people who aren't me. And, you know, I don't and, like look, it. and I'm not happy <laughs> yeah. about this. True. Like, that's, you know, that's just... But I think that's kind of like, you know, the to me, like, what I've seen in terms of, like, the reaction to black and why I've often said that, like, you know, it's it's what you bring to it. Like I'm not. That's why it's black and white, and mm-hmm. it's not in color. It's yeah, it's so like that you I'm not impressing. Sort of put your own it. impressions on it. And people do. Like I, it cracks me up when people just like this is racist. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's like, really that's, that's my okay. favorite part. I just that is my what favorite the, part of the whole thing. Yeah, I'm like okay, like you've clarified 
Exactly. Right. That's probably I, I know who my, you are. Yeah, yeah, I know who you are. That, that's probably one of my favorite responses from Twitter. Is somebody who goes, "What, what would you do if I didn't? People were only white people. Well, a comic book where only white people had superpowers." I, and I think somebody, I'd show you all the other ones yeah, that are like, like that. Like, I think I said it was called the Fantastic Four. It's been running since 1961. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, that's not true. No, no, no. That's well, not true because the the, and the thing is made of like stone. Well, so he's yeah. not. And he's Jewish. And he's stone. But he is. I understand you know that's that? what I'm just saying. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean like that that's what I mean. It's like there's been up until this point, like, you know, all the X-Men had, you know, been white. Like all of the mm-hmm. Avengers mm-hmm. had been white. So when all of a sudden these changes come in, people they don't, they don't really know how to deal bad. with it. Yeah. Which, but I think it's the medium itself setting them up like to yeah. be stubborn. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. Sorry, Tim. No, no, I look just to throw it in there. And on a, on a more global scale, too, just growing up reading these comic books, um, like Spider-Man and Superman, I also read a lot of Asian comic books. Mm. And even as a kid, I always wondered, that's an entire country of particularly like one race of people. Right? Yes. But wh- at least more today is different, but... Back then, you walk into a comic book shop and you pick up your favorite manga and they look Caucasian. And Sailor Moon, all of them. And you kind of wonder, even as a kid, I always wondered, like, well, why do they Because they like don't that? see them as Caucasian. They see them as Japanese. Yeah. Even with blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. But, no, I, I get why they're... <laughs> it's weird, but they do. But in this society, yeah, in this, this society, is, yeah. when you're picking up that book and you're just like, well, right next to this book right here is obviously Japanese, but they're white characters. Mm. And right next to it is Spider-Man and Superman comic book. And those are white characters. And right down the line, it's like all these cultures that come into your shop with their comic books from different regions, they all look Caucasian. Yeah. Or predominantly Caucasian. So it's more of a global scale. For whatever reason is, they see them as not, but today, they don't see them as that. Right. There is a movement for them to look more Japanese by yeah. Japanese artists. Right. By doing it. I think even back then, they thought, well, Disney... Mm-hmm. This is the norm. This is how it's done. Mm-hmm. We know that they're supposed to be Japanese because they have Japanese names and Japanese clothes and right. whatnot, but they are still, in their design and essence, Caucasian because that is what was accepting. Because they were basing it off Disney mm-hmm. design yes. too. Exactly. But I think something else interesting about that because you brought up Japan is that in terms of what I was saying before, like they, I bet, and I have no conclusive data or research on this, are probably a lot more open to changing their stories because of the nature of manga. Mm-hmm. All of their characters progress. Oh yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's they also grow old. But they change, they die. But so it's like, also based on the volume of yeah output as well. There's a lot of material. Sure, yeah, manga it's makes more, sense. It's culturally like ingrained yeah. into their size. But yeah. still, yeah. by the time you get to the time. end of any run, that character is usually oh, completely different, different from character. the beginning. Yeah. And one creative team working on it and not like... Yeah, but still, I'm just... (laughs) I think mentally the way that affects the reader is that it makes them accept like loss and change and difference. And to me, that's also the meat of like a best story. If you think of like the best novels or books that you've read, there's... Could you imagine if we were still in school with Harry Potter and something? It's like, come on, dude, graduate already. Yeah. Yeah. But if this was comic sure. books, he would still be in school. This is true. Like yes. they would ride that thing until or something, or he would grow to adulthood, and then some some calamity would happen where he was magically transformed sure, back into his Whatever. Oh my god. <laughs> but I, I think that I think there's something intrinsic in that you know way of telling stories in American comics that's actually like creating that mentality. 
That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get. And, at. Yeah. and it doesn't even have to be huge. It can be small changes. Like Superman ha- and Lois Lane have a kid now, and he's like 12 years old. And there are people who are angry at that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a big thing because you're messing with their thing. Right. You're messing with the thing that they grew up grew up with. Worshipping and loving, and you're, 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 you're wow. You know, and again, you know, and again, that's why that's why yeah. it throws me so much because I'm like I think about this whole generation of people who grew up on like Potter and their kids and everyone mm-hmm. else, like in the same way that there's Tolkien. Like yeah. you'll you'll eventually be exposed to this stuff and love it in the same way, but also be able to move on. Yeah, like, yeah. at some point, yeah, John Snow and Dan Harris, they get together. It's spoiled that for you. Spoiler alert. Here's a quick question. So Not to throw, I know we, you have set questions, but as a question to the group. <laughs> no, bring it. Questions bring to it. the group. All right, so you have a group of people that, in your example, mm. Superman, he came from another planet. He landed. He flies around. He used to fight gangsters. Now he fight one-eyed monsters in space. Right, right. right? And, and people grew up with that. It had his moment, and you good you, issue. You, one-eyed <laughs> and you follow it with, with all your heart and soul, no matter who writes it. Um, and those same people, the age range, this is what I find interesting. There's a tilt right now in the age of who's interested in comic books. Mm-hmm. You have your 15-year-old kid today that, I don't even think they go in a comic book shop. If they do, somebody's guiding them and pushing right. them in mm-hmm. there. And you like, why is this on my phone? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, exactly. I think it's downloaded. Please leave So here. if you see, if you, and, and the people who hear Superman or any other character changing, do they even still buy the books? They just read about it and hear about it. And they're like, wait, 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 no. Well, here's the, what's the, what's the, the age range between oh, no. the people? I agree, and I agree with, no, they're still buying, but I agree with you. And what had happened was because of the direct market, the age range for people who were buying books shifted into the 18 to 24 demographic. Now it's shifting back mm. to kids because kids are buying more graphic novels. Kids are reading more comic books online. It's going back to eight to twelve, eight to fourteen. You know, those are the the, the people who are picking up Rainer Telgemeier's books. Yeah. Those are the people who are picking up uh, Amulet. Those are the people mm-hmm. who are buying Amelia Rules. My daughter loves Rainer Telgemeier. She loves. That's, a, that's the, exactly the what I'm saying. Porn. Are you those know? kids invested in buying this story of these modern or these superheroes that in modern day have changed, but in the past they were different? They're not invested like they. No, well, I mean, but it, I think, but I think that they're getting there because I think that because there's so much more diversity and they're seeing themselves reflected mm, in these characters, mm-hmm. they're more willing to invest in them. Like, right. look at Ms. Marvel. Right. Like, I feel like a little, you know, Key or your daughter. I feel like they're all definitely. You know, you see yourself reflected in a character you're more inclined to buy it no, as absolutely. opposed to like Superman, absolutely. which I mean, none of us are that guy. Yeah, like. <laughs> He's let's kind of, let's be honest. So, but that's I cool because I mean, you can it, also you know that while the shift keeps going back and forth, like bringing in younger kids when they see characters who look more like them, who resemble them, or even who have a story that's more interesting to them than just like he's an alien, he's fighting a. <laughs> monster. <laughs> when I spray I'm telling you, it was a really oh, good one. Somewhere. Action Comics um, number two seventy one. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Black, I don't know if it's for the uh, no, it's not. No, 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 it's definitely America's not. Sweetheart is. America's yeah. Sweetheart yes. is. Yes. <laughs> Actually, so, somebody asked me about whether Black is okay for kids. I was like, nope. oh, and I just realized I was like looking through the collection. I was like, there's some 
hidden nudity in there. We yeah. should not it's give that to kids. It's not that hidden, but... I know, it's pretty apparent. <laughs> the nudity's um, probably not the problem. Yeah, no. the nudity's <laughs> definitely not the problem. Well, um, well speaking then of, of uh, as, as people working in the field, then especially uh, Jamal and Tim, what, I'm, I'm guessing then that in your careers, you've spent a lot of time drawing these white guy superheroes yeah. than yeah. you know than than anything else and is I, that is that has that been frustrating is it like no or it's I'm, just it just is what it is or have, are we hitting a point where we're like you know what no enough let's mix this up for please. for for myself and these guys will tell you i'm i'm a mark i'm a superman mark I'm, <laughs> you know i've i've been a superman fan since i was 5 years old so that that's one of my one of the my lifetime goals when I first got into the business was being able to draw Superman, and um, I finally got to do that before my contract ended at DC. Uh, you know, I worked on Supergirl for a couple of years. I worked on I got some work in Action Comics 900. I did the last pre-reboot issue, two issues of Superman. Whoa. So yeah, so that those were the thing. Those were like okay. When everything was said and done, I had to decide, okay, I did what I said I was going to do. Now what? Mm-hmm. So now I take projects that interest me. And now I take things that I want to be and I feel like I can be invested in and things that are important to me. So like with Black or my own series, Molly Danger, or you know some of the other things that I'm, I'm getting involved in, it... It's I've had because I've had that experience, and I understand what that experience is working for you know Marvel or DC or you know I did the Terminator over Dark Horse you know I've I've done the brand stuff I don't have a problem doing the brand stuff, but I'm more about creator ownership and creator participation and just doing cool stuff now. For me, it's like my my journey as a professional in the beginning. I definitely you know did uh, some Marvel and DC stuff, but Definitely not as much as Jamal, for sure. I did a lot of commercial stuff. Um, a lot of, like, uh, storyboarding for commercials or toys or, or concepts, stuff like that. And when I would draw, for me, I'm not going to name the companies, but I would draw a scene of, let's say, kids. They're all cartoony in style. I had to mimic the style of whatever the uh, IP was. I would draw some people of color in there. I would draw an Asian person, a black person. I, I'd draw Jewish people I, I tried to put them in there <laughs> I mean like I tried to put them in there and say this person has a look mm-hmm. it's not just two dots and a, and a nose and a smile <laughs> and you're gonna just slap a color on <laughs> right they, this person's got a nose yeah. and the nose is gonna go down this way <laughs> the eyes are gonna go this way and I was told to scale it back mm-hmm. because the commercial appeal to it wasn't there now, right. today it may be different because I haven't done that in a long time. But for me, that's what I had to... So working on something like black, like I was already drawing black people, but even still, Kwanzaa actually reminded me of something. And it was like a light bulb just exploded in my head when I was drawing hair. And you said, black people's hair don't really reflect. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're right. So even as an artist, as a black artist, and I've talked to other black artists that don't normally draw black people because they're trying to break into the industry don't know how to draw other races right at it's, all it's it's not the easiest thing in the world and especially every black person's hair has a different texture to it 
Right. So you're trying to find a way to reflect that texture. It's not easy. There's no, it's it not is not easy. Yeah. And then when you get into like hairstyles, I was oh, actually, yeah. I was telling, <laughs> I was telling yeah. Sarah we should like link up with Car and be like, all right, we should do like a drink and draw session where it's just black girl hair, <laughs> and that's the challenge. Like different hairstyles yeah. coming in there and like just trying to like keep up. Yeah. Well, I have to take a picture. There's a woman on my train whose hair is almost exactly the way. Bases hair oh, wow. should be, and I yeah. want to take a picture, but I'm also like that would be highly offensive. <laughs> Maybe you should I really want to be like, look, yeah, just sure like just carry the comic like, all the time, and be like, okay, look, 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 here I just, you are. I need reason. to do this. Right, exactly. <laughs> I need to do this. I'm here to help. <laughs> Somebody else. I'm here to help. Somebody else. Well, let's let's but. talk a little bit about the 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 varieties of design going on in there because the world of black is so dense with organizations of both mm. the good guys and the bad guys. Um, and there's a deep bench of super-powered <laughs> operatives. Oh, that's all book. him. That is all I, him. I suspect that, that it, might be it the case. Be all me. Yeah, the the world-building is solid. I, I, yeah, I, I am just you interpreting guys, you guys did. What, what Tim laid down. So. so so let's talk about creating these, these super-powered characters with these awesome designs, and none of these designs are phoned in. So considering the sheer volume of characters in there, and that's, I think, the, the strength of the design then, is when, when I'm reading it, and you know, issue six, when you've got the battle royale, and like... that <laughs> 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 Jamal is still sitting here with us, lot, and it's willing to work with us in this the This is the moment he goes fetal, is, and like, like that. <laughs> that man drawing it, that man writing it, that, that woman editing all of that, there, that craziness. There was a point during that scene where I'm, <laughs> we get the stretch goal, we've got to do 15 more pages. But so the, that's, that's the thing, is like, I'm break, I get the, the log line from Quanta, and I'm breaking it down, and I'm just like, we would need another 20 pages. Because there's all these like individual power moves that he wanted yeah. to show yeah. and everything. It's like, I went to Quasi Sarah, I was like, look, this is too much. We have to pull it I wouldn't show Brothers yeah. on yeah. it, I admit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quanta was writing for a video game. Jamal was like, let's come back to reality, let's, let's bring it back. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, there were a lot of characters. But, yeah, but going back to just the design, like the the level and intricacy of some of the character designs that Tim did is it's amazing and it, it it really it really helped me actually because like I was saying before I'm basically filtering what Tim created and finding a a version that works with my style Tim and I are we have different sensibilities although we come from sort of like the same star creatively so we but we do have different sensibilities <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> okay. um, as illustrators so you know my approach is much more naturalistic versus tim who veers more towards a, a cartoony sort of exaggeration exaggeration yeah. so it was it was finding a happy medium between mm -hmm. the two that I think we we did actually strike. Very uh, you did a you did a you fantastic did, you did a job. really yeah. good interpretation. Whenever I put a, a costume together or think of the character, like you know, I read what Kwanzaa wrote down, like this is what the person's supposed to do. I was like, all right, I have to think of it like what works with the character, what works with what Kwanzaa's vision is, and what works as an artist to draw it. 
So you could go like all out and put a bunch of belt buckles and gadgets and zippers <laughs> on all and make this <laughs> one. That <laughs> 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 a lot of it like totally don't make sense. But like maybe shade, the art you want to use and they go into the pocket and pot of marble. I don't know what they keep in these pockets. But you could throw that throw all that in there with all these characters and just make the artist's life a living hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, we have a character who has earrings that turn into tanks, and yeah. so it's yeah. fine. Like, I mean, yeah, you who wonder needs, how to needs a utility belt when you have earrings? Is you, you really the, sort of my theory. Yeah, you you let the certain certain things like on that character like shine through. It's like a painting. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you look at a painting, there's just one part of the painting that's gonna draw you in, and then the rest is just like icing or side dishes uh, for <laughs> it. You know that that's what I was going for with a lot of it. So hopefully. Um, Jamal can go in there and pick pick the things he wants to focus on on yeah. certain angles and that he yeah. wants to do. I think you both ended up with something that had distinct silhouettes. Yeah. You know, and mm. I think when we were originally coming up with the designs, Tim, like, you know, our back and forth, like sometimes we would sit there and just be like working one over and over and over again. Mm. And then other times I would just be like, Yeah, so this is a juncture, this is what he does. Boom. Right. One design. Yeah. Tim yeah. like hit it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was done. It's like that's him. Same thing with Zero. I was just like, yeah. eh, he's this albino guy, but he keeps himself covered up and he's yeah. got icy snow powers. Boom, one hit. I'm like, <laughs> yep, that's, that's that looks one. right. I'll take it. But you know, the, the interesting thing about it is that they didn't follow, the designs didn't follow a traditional line of like what the American archetype superhero mm-hmm. is, which is, yes. you know, which was always done, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, you know, speed. Right. Yeah. It's just like, sure. you know, Body I mean, there's some spandex. There's some. There are some spandex characters. Yeah, in yeah. It, but, but I mean, for the most part, there's like there's like weight and texture mm-hmm. and right. like yeah. th- mm-hmm. an actual feeling that these people are going out and dealing with like real situations as opposed to just like I'm gonna put these two triangle clasps on this like tight body suit <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and and jump out into the street. My fa- my favorite thing in superhero design that's always like and I'm just I'm gonna go up on this tangent was just like the sock boot. Mm-hmm. Like Hell where it's yes. just like yes. it's just like how are you running around? <laughs> <laughs> I had just no boots. arc support. And don't don't let it I snow. Like don't let it be twenty <laughs> below degrees. Yeah, just like, never <laughs> could pick up on that. With underwoods no on, like come on, man. Underwoods on in the Antarctic. Yeah. yeah. So all the characters in black, like they look like you know, like well, they're they they're like wearing clothes. People, which but is it's, the other thing. They look like actual human people as opposed to like you're gonna topple over, honey. One of my favorite characters in the series to draw is swole. Because <laughs> for, for, for those of you who don't know, Swole is what, like 12, 13 years old? Like Something this like skinny that. little guy, and when he comes in, he comes into this, when you first see him, his pants are hanging down around his ass, he's got like suspenders and like these giant, you know, sandals <laughs> that flip barely on his feet. And then he turns into this like giant superhuman story and everything tightens up on him. <laughs> like, yeah. That, he's he's the Hulk who actually thought about it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Like, like, I can do what I do and be naked at the end. After the first time his mom got mad at him for ripping up his clothes, he was like, maybe I Another should Another pair deal of with sandals? Are you kidding me? It's funny yeah. that you guys said that because when I thought of Swole, like, a part of his inspiration was, like, looking at how kids dress and they, you know, these skinny kids wearing these oversized, yeah. like, 4XL clothing yeah. and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, what if he could fill that out? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, exactly. what if all of a sudden he just went, and just got massive and then everything was just like fitted on him. I just thought it would it was an interesting way to like take this stylistic thing and then turn it into like a superhero. Oh absolutely. Or in his case a super terrorist, I guess. But yeah. No, I mean, you know. Which which character is the one with the gold teeth, the big guy with the gold teeth that uh 
With the with the braids. Oh, the oh savage. savage. No, 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 no. Oh, he's, he's the indestructible. Oh, with the pants. Yeah. With the pants. Yeah. 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 I want to know more about that. Oh yeah. I want to know more about this because there's so much character in them going on. Like as as I'm sitting here and we're just throwing out these like here's characters. I mean, we haven't even talked about the main character Freeman. <laughs> 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 he's he's great. You know, he's he's super cool. Yeah. Believe us, just read the book. But like I think about uh I think it's it's near the end also that Kareem is running back and forth through another door and the other teleporter guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, whose name I don't remember. I'm so, I'm sorry. Um, Shifty. Shifty. Shifty, yeah. <laughs> Shifty, yeah. Who, I love Shifty. It's like Shifty four Shifty. panels. <laughs> but but he, he he has just enough world-weary heaviness, and maybe that's because of the line, like, sorry, old man. It's yeah, not the yeah. personal. But, like, you know, like, you can just sort of feel between what he's dressed as and the way he's talking, and then he goes down and sort of, like... <sighs> it's, a, it's a nice dichotomy between the two characters, because Shifty really comes off as sort of, like, mud-footish. Yeah, just very, just very you like know who I thought of when up? I did that. Yeah, like, you know, I tell you, was, <laughs> what's the name? Grady? Yeah, Grady. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That's exactly That's who I was thinking of. Oh my God! If he was, <laughs> if he was still alive and like casting is oh, done, yeah. I'd like it to be Grady. Winston Mayo. <laughs> so good, so good. All right, so so I know that there's nothing to talk about with the movie yet, except that it's out there. So now you wait. Yeah. And yeah. wait and wait for this initial. Storm to break down, but uh, it, while we're waiting, the collection is out soon. Yeah, yeah. so the collection's coming out in <laughs> October. Okay. We did a second Kickstarter. Uh, Kickstarter invited us back for a, a, a second round in Kickstarter victory, Gold. Victory lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was really exciting because, you know, in doing the book, you know, and, and working on any comic book, sometimes, you know, like people on the team like drop off or they have like another project or they, you know, can't finish. But, you know, we came in contact through. Tim's recommendation, Darren Robinson, who's... Roberson. Roberson? How yep. do I say Robertson? But whatever, you know. <laughs> because I, I can't pronounce normal people names. That's my problem. How's your uh, Yeah, my hyperbole is great. Um, <laughs> but he just had, like, these this great technique for, like, uh, toning the book. And I had said just kind of, like, off the cuff before Kickstarter, I was like, man, it'd be great if he could go back and do the whole thing mm-hmm. so it's consistent. And, and when Kickstarter did. approached us... We earned enough like money to pay him to like go back and just redo the yeah. entire thing. So now the entire book is just done by the same artist, the same maker, yeah. like all the way through, like beginning to end. Yep. And yeah. that's something I'm very happy about because I feel like when people get it, they're just gonna have this like very complete yeah. book. Yeah. And he did. I'll just point out, uh, he did 80 pages of retoning in about three months yeah. because because mm. you beat him. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of emails. Yeah. There were a lot of oh, there were so many emails. Uh, but he did an amazing. You get used um, to it after a while. <laughs> you know what? That's gonna be in the second collective. Okay. Edition. It's gonna be just all my emails to everybody. Like, so nice. not nice. to rush you. No. Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't want to start any fights here, everybody, but oh. um, <laughs> for crying out loud, if, if you're unfamiliar with the book, seek it out. Uh, the collection is probably available by the time you're hearing these words, actually. 
Um, so don't be shy. Get out there. Uh, this this was so great. I frankly want to assemble this group again for nearly <laughs> probably every other episode. Is what I'm thinking. We'll talk about it. Um, Kwanzaa, Tim, Jamal, Sarah. Thank you so much for talking about the oh, book. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Thank all the success in the world. I thank hope you. that people find it. So thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. Many thanks to my guests, Kwanzaa Osagiofo, Tim Smith 3, Jamal Eigel, and Sarah Litt. And thanks, of course, to you for inviting me into your ear canals to nerd out. It means more to me than you know. I'd love to hear what you think about this latest audio adventure. What do you like? What deserves to have a conversation at the mouth of a storm drain with Pennywise the Clown? You can tell me by leaving me a message at one of the show's many social media channels. They are the 1.21 Gigawatts Facebook page, where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Gigawatts, and on Instagram, I'm 1.21 underscore Gigawatts. Plus, you can find all of those feeds in one magnificent destination at the 1.21 Gigawatts website. It has photos, blog entries, every episode to date, newsletter sign-up information, and more. Get thee to www.121kikawatts.com and wallow in the nerdliness. And if you're not already aware, every episode of this podcast is available for free in the podcast section at the iTunes store. It's so easy to subscribe and never miss a geeky second. Do it. Do it now. You know what I'd really appreciate? Whether you're a subscriber or not, you can leave the show a review, hopefully a good one, on iTunes, which will help more people find the show, which would make me a happy, happy man. It should take 30 seconds and could make such a difference to the team behind this podcast. And if you're not an iTunes user, you can always find us by searching for 1.21 gigawatts at soundcloud.com. Huge gratitude to the hero of the harmonics, composer, and my co-producer, David Sisko. You are and remain the best, Sisko. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome with our radtastic theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. 1.21 gigawatts What every geek wants is what we got From Doctor Who to Aqualad You might meet Luke and Leia's dad Pop culture that is super rad Hosted by some guy named Brad It'll rock you to your nylon Cylon socks 1.21 freaking gigawatts A lot of people are drawn to comics as a form of escapism or power fulfillment. We identify with characters who are outsiders in society because they reflect things that are going on in the real world. The metaphors about race are obvious, but in a world of the fantastic, mutants, metahumans, evos, they're not plausible reflections of a demonized minority. Most of these characters that are presented as outcasts, they can take off their masks not use their powers and live among normal society. Black folk don't have that luxury. That's when I had a thought. What if only black people had superpowers?